of George Knapp listening to that UFO podcast and having one hell of a good time. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy and in a huge week for the UFO topic, not just for now but for the future of it, I've got with me a guest returning to the podcast. He is a political activist, disclosure advocate and the executive director of the Paradigm Research Group among many titles, Mr Stephen Bassett. Stephen, welcome back. It's good to be with you again, Andy. Really good to have you on, and I don't think I can underplay, Stephen, how important this next few days is, is potentially for the UFO topic in the future of it, so it's a really good time to have you back on to discuss what exactly is happening, and I wonder for the listeners and viewers who may be newer to the topic or perhaps aren't paying too much attention to social media or the news online, what exactly is going on right now with this massive amendment and how it's going to affect the future of these discussions? <clears throat> Certainly. Um uh, this, uh, starting in 2020, uh, at the uh, behest of Marco Rubio, who at the time was the chairman of our Senate Intel Committee, we're set up a little differently, obviously, in the parliament, but I think people understand. It's probably the most important national security committee in our Congress, very important and very powerful. And he put <coughs> legislation regarding the UAP issue literally into the National Defense Authorization Act, which is one of the most important bills. It was the first legislation ever on the UAP issue, uh, going back to what 1946 or any other time. So it was a big deal. And that began what we'll call the legislative infrastructure that they needed to put together ahead of a confirmation event or confirmation from the president of the United States, which I have come to call disclosure, capital D, the event, the moment that it happens. They, they've known for some time this was coming. They knew it was inevitable that one day they were going to have to, quote, fess up, I guess you could say, and confirm there is an ET president. But it wasn't like, oh, gee, what day are we going to do that? Uh, this is a huge deal. And because the truth embargo has been going on for 76 years, and, and there's been so much public awareness and, and research on the subject, it was not going to be easy to suddenly go from, oh, there's nothing to be concerned about. This is not a real phenomenon to, oh, yeah, it's real. And we know known about it for 76 years. So this is not going to be easy. And it had the potential to be disruptive and, and uh, affect institutions and uh, public attitudes and everything else. And, and so naturally, and plus, it was a big deal. So they, 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 they wanted to do it responsibly. They wanted to be ready for it. And it didn't hurt if it helped them with some public relations. All right. And so the process really gets underway in, 20, uh, in, in 2017, December of 2017, when the, the, uh, the To The Stars Academy people took a major story to the New York Times. For the next three years, uh, it moved forward mostly behind the scenes, though lots of coverage. But we had a lot of problems back then. In fact, the the uh, first piece of legislation that was put in the uh, the NDA bill by Rubio was being crafted literally during the heart of the the worst of the pandemic. Right? Okay. So things developed kind of slowly for the next three years, and then in December, almost exactly three years later, the Rubio bill. The Rubio language was was, was passed in 2020 uh, uh, for the uh, 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 fiscal year 2021. 
Since then, there have been three substantial pieces of legislation that have been passed by the United States Congress and signed by the president. This is the fourth one, and this is the biggest one and the most important one. And when it is signed, it will represent pretty much all the legal infrastructure they needed pre-disclosure, pre-confirmation. Now, that's not all that's been going on in the last three years. Uh, We we had the formalization of the UAP task force at the the, uh, um, uh, Naval Labs, not not the Naval Labs, the uh, Naval, oh God, I don't know why, NIH. We had uh, the further development of of that office, uh, the transfer of that office to the DOD and so forth. We've had uh, uh, a number of statements that have come out from members of politicians. There have been a lot of briefings that have continued. And then, of course, uh, NASA stepped in and and showed the flag by indicating it was setting up a a research panel on this issue and so forth. That kind of physical infrastructure and stuff was happening as well. All of this, as I've stated, was preparation for disclosure. It had nothing to do with, oh, we're going to try to find out what's going on here. Right. Wait a minute. It's brought to our attention that there's something in the sky we don't know. And so a lot of people, particularly the younger people, Gen Z's and and uh, and and millennials and so forth, are are sort of looking at it like that. Oh, wow. They're going to finally they're going to tell us what's going on. They didn't know. No, absolutely. No, they've known for 70 plus years. It's about disclosure. It's about preparing for it. So this last bill is the last really the last thing that needed to be in place before they take the irreversible step of holding a hearing in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee. This is the hearing we've been heading for for some time. The House subcommittee hearing that took place with three witnesses, including David Grush, is not that hearing. And it wasn't supposed to happen, but it did. And it created quite a stir and a lot of media. I get it. And they've kind of dealt with it. So. If things go well and this bill is passed appropriately, then it's up. The next step is up to Mark Warner, who was the chairman of that Intel committee, to call before that committee a number of witnesses, many of which we know, whose testimony will simply explode this issue. I mean, it will simply close it down. There will be no doubt in any reasonable person's mind. And therefore, almost immediately after that hearing is finished, the president could very comfortably come forward and say, I have watched this testimony. My staff has watched it. I've talked with key people and I can confirm to you uh, what you've already probably uh, considered is that we are in fact being engaged by non-human intelligence. We are not alone, whatever he wants to say. So that's what's happening. That's how big it is. And so the passage of this bill is very important. If for some reason it was it was stripped out of the National Defense Authorization Act, that would be a huge blow to the process and an indication that those opposed to disclosure have suddenly got the high ground. So we're watching it very closely. Okay. So what has happened is that Bill, uh, the, the principal language was sponsored by three people, um, Senator Round, Senator Reid, and Senator uh, Mark Schumer, who is, and, and that's very important because Schumer is not a member of the Intelligence Committee until, uh, of the Senate. He is the Senate Majority Leader. He's one of the most powerful men in Congress. He is a member of what we call the Gang of Eight. 
which includes the Intel chairman, Senate, Armed Services, and so forth, and Health. So because of the Grush situation, he made a very bold move and announced on the 14th of July, 39 days after Grush had come forward, that uh, and, and, and made statements to the effect that we do have non-human tech, we do have non-human bodies, that he came forward and stated he is putting language in this bill, which states, among other things, that the United States government is asserting under this legislation that it has eminent domain over any such tech in civilian hands. Big deal. Obviously, the U.S. government controls the tech in its hands. But over the years, it's pretty well understood that private contractors, just as they do with our weapons programs, were brought into play to address this technology and hold it, have it in their possession. And with Grush's statement already out there, he felt he needed to get out in front of this. Because one of the most important issues that will be addressed post-disclosure is who owns that tech, what rights do they have to it, uh, and so forth. There's a lot of money to be made and a lot of national security implications. And without Grush coming forward, they probably would have put it off. But with Grush coming forward, he felt he needed to get that out there right away. And so he puts that out and puts all of the defense contractors on notice. In case you were wondering, we have, that's our tech, and we can exercise eminent domain. All right. Now, it's also the case, but by doing that, he essentially confirmed Grush's statements. In other words, he's saying, I'm confirming Grush. So if you're attacking him or you're questioning his veracity, <clears throat> don't bother. I'm the Senate majority leader, and I just confirmed what he said which Grush went on afterwards, a few days later, and, and restated under oath in front of the Senate subcommittee, uh, House subcommittee. So this is a big deal. And so now the, the bill moves forward. The language has been up on the Senate uh, website for months. So the message is fully out there, whether or not it's included in the legislation. And now comes the critical reconciliation process in which for those that are not familiar with how our government works, the Senate version of the bill and the House version of the bill are reconciled in committee. And the final language coming from both is then submitted for the president to sign. Oh, and then that final language has to be repassed by the Senate and the House and then submitted to the president. It's a long, complicated process that can take years or it can take months. It depends on the Congress. And so leading up to the, this process, which began today, rumor got out that there was pushback on this bill. Uh, from with respect to certain people, rumors now, no no statement from the, the the Senate or the House, but rumors. And the rumors centered on one, the eminent domain section, two, the all important UAP uh, board, the un, the uh, unidentified anomalous phenomena board review board. That's the name UAP board, review board. <clears throat> and the bill itself, which obviously got our attention. And so what I have done in response is contacted my social media as well as my list with uh, a way for them to conveniently express their concern to uh, the, uh, the appropriate members of Congress that we want that bill passed and preferably we want it passed intact. Now, uh, I sent you a link. Uh, goes to a release or, or, or an update that I put out 
that contains how to do this. And I should mention that it's not limited to the United States. This is something that anybody in the world who has a Twitter account can do. And it's called Twitter tagging. And so if, if at some point you're able to show that link, people can go to that link and what they will find there is a, a, a list of 100 Twitter handles for the members of the House and Senate Intel and Armed Services Committee. And I'm suggesting that anybody that wants to is on Twitter can tag them in a message. And what that means is they could say, at Senator so-and-so, uh, I very much support this bill. I want it passed. It's in the interest of the world's people, blah, 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 whatever, and post it, right? And they could do that. They could post exactly the same message to every single one of these hundred, copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste, right? And what happens is, is that message turns up on that member's uh, notifications uh, feed, not on their top page. That is, that's they, usually only they can post on their top page. Uh, which goes to their followers. But this turns up in the notifications. And that's important because every member has a staff person assigned to, to, to check that notifications, to see what's being said about them or their, their boss online. And if they see a whole bunch of notifications with messages regarding something like this bill, all they have to do is tell the member, check the notifications. The member can go over there and simply scroll down and literally see it. It couldn't be easier. And the beauty of this approach, as opposed to a letter or an email or even a phone call, is that something like that goes into one person, they will either pass it on or delete it or shelve it. But when you tag a message like that, that tag goes up on your your page, right? And so say a thousand people tag somebody, those messages are going up on their pages to be seen by anybody that comes and reviews their page and they will see, oh, they're sending this message. They're involved in this and they may then decide to do something themselves. So it's viral, right? And so that's what's on that link. And so when you have a chance, you can put that up in some form or fashion and show your, your viewers what that is. Now, let's talk about the bill. First of all, this series of legislation starting in 2020, I believe is the most important series of legislation of any government in history. No, no, no offense to the United Kingdom or any other government. They've all passed some pretty important bills. They've all done legislation. I'm going to make a case this is the most important in history. And this particular bill is the most important of the four. All right. So I'm going to quickly review it for your listeners. Uh, I'm going to pull it up in front of me. Uh, uh, I have a link that I provided you that has this bill uh, converted from the the, the, the the way it's printed in the uh, in the legislation, which is very tricky to read, but it's formal. And I've converted it to a what amounts to a UEP uh, 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 word doc, uh, which makes it much easier to read single space. And I've highlighted uh, a number of things. It, it was difficult not to highlight the whole bill. So uh, I am now reviewing this 23-page uh, 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 b- bill uh, in, uh, in a PDF format. And let's just start off with this. What is the name of this bill? What did they call it? Right? And I say it's a bill. It's basically an act, which is an amendment to an even larger bill, which is the National Defense Authorization Act for 2024. The name of the bill is the UAP Disclosure Act. 
that's what they called it, of 2023, or the Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena Disclosure Act. So let me, let me be clear. They didn't have to call use disclosure in the name. That is intentional. They are well aware that there has been a movement trying to get, quote, capital D disclosure from the heads of states of nations, certainly including the president of the United States, but I'll throw in your prime minister for years and years. And that disclosure is a defined term in the activist movement. It is the confirmation literally from the head of state, whichever head of state. And, and one head of state is going to be first, undoubtedly. And it looks like it'll be Clinton. So that putting that in the title was sending a message that this bill is about your work, about your activism. We are responding to the people on this. Very significant. And so the, the next section, 9002, uh, is about findings and declarations and purposes. And this is very important because it defines what they mean by this and that. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to skip to just the other sections and quickly review uh, them. So hang on just a second. Uh, whoops, we go here. 9004. All right. Okay. Drop on down. Okay. The first section that's dealing with what we'll call policy, uh, as opposed to the first two, is section 9004. And it's entitled, The Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena Records Collection at the National Archives and Records Administration. All right. And the next section is also connected to that. Let's bring that up. It's called Review, Identification, Transmission to the National Archives and Public Disclosure of Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena Records by the Government's Office. Now, let me explain in lay language <clears throat> what these two sections are about. With I can't, you get, we could spend hours on this, but I'm going to try to be concise. These two sections, what they are literally about, and they go into great detail, is the process. They're setting up the legal process by which all of the records, all of the records and files and documents in the United States government's control and hands, no matter what the entity, DOD, CIA, Air Force, Navy, whatever, all of these records, the process by which all of them will make their way out of the, their, their how would you say, secured and, and uh, classified status to be reviewed, to be revealed to the public, and, and, and possibly withheld several review processes and then ultimately end up in the National Archives. So we're going from the deepest classified program to the National Archives, where obviously they're public and be accessed by, by the public at will, depending, you know, going through the proper channels, but, uh, but also <clears throat> revealed to the public along the way if, if it's suitable to do so. I mean, that is, that is the ultimate, what we have been wanting. For, forever. Now, they're not saying how long it will take. That will yet to be determined. But what they've established under the law, if it passes, is this is the process by which it's going to happen. And the one thing that I can say is this. It will start right away. In other words, once this bill has passed, this process set up in these two sections is going to start cranking up 
and documents are going to start moving forward. And keep in mind that not all the documents, records, and files are in the same levels of classification. So there will be things that are relatively easy to move forward, and they will probably start the process right away, and we will be, they will be turning up uh, to the public in, in, in whatever method they want to use, certain, possibly on websites, possibly on the websites related to the, the, the entity that has them, or it could be they'll do it all on the Arrow website, whatever. And that will happen pretty quickly. And so very shortly after disclosure, because of this legislation, the public is going to start learning and, and being able to access documents previously not accessible related to the government's engagement and knowledge of the UAP issue. That is what these two sections uh, are, are relating to and, and, and saying it's going to go all the way to the National Archives. We're just not going to put them up on a website. We are going to end up archiving them where the public has access. But they did something else in these sections. They also established, well, actually, this comes a little bit later. So that is what these sections accomplish. Now, can, I, can I just ask a question there, Stephen? Of course. Yeah. So a wonderful summary, and there's not many folks can do it like you can. And to me, who is a layman, I appreciate the way you've put that across. You, you did mention the rumour currently, and as we record this, it's Monday the 27th and it's UK time, almost half past seven, Eastern time, half past two. Um, we are hearing that there there will be pushback against parts of this legislation. Those sections you've covered, are you comfortable that even with any pushback, those will survive intact? And I just wonder, and this might be something you're going to get to, mm-hmm. what do you think is in danger of, of coming out of this altogether? There's there's two areas that have clearly been, and not surprisingly, have been are apparently in play. We don't we don't know to the degree of the pushback. There's there's some consensus that one of the absolutely one of the key people who is quote raising issues happens to be uh, a very another powerful person in our Congress. His name is Mike Turner. He is the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. So he's a member of the Gang of Eight as well, we call them. So he's a formidable person. He's not quite as formidable as the chairman of the Senate Intel Committee. And it's also notable that the Senate is in the control of the Democratic Party and the House is in the control of the Republican Party. And Mark Shermer, who is the, the, the chairman, is, is a Democrat and Turner is a Republican. So there's some politics here. But it, it's almost certain that he is one of the people raising the issue. It's also uh, uh, Rogers, who is the chairman of the Armed Services Committee in the House, apparently may be also raising issues, and there may be a few of them. How strong this, this pushback is, we do not know. Uh, but clearly, it's in play. Two areas of the bill that are the focus of this, as far as we know, and this is not surprising, and we'll get to these in a minute, is the eminent domain section and the unidentified anomalous phenomena review board section. Yeah. So naturally, because there's any pushback at all, people that are quite sensitive to the, to the, to the the progress of the truth embargo uh, are immediately concerned. The whole bill would be removed. Uh, I can say with high confidence, it's highly unlikely that that will happen. This bill will not be removed. If it is removed, it's going to create 
some serious blowback for the Congress. Uh, and um, I don't think the Congress, particularly the House, can afford any blowback uh, uh, of that type at this time because it's already embroiled, the House now of representatives already embroiled in a range of controversial issues which are uncomfortable and uh, not, 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 uh, and not attractive and is about to have another major brouhaha because it, it, it's, it's clear that the funding bill for the government is not secure. And there's rumors that Mike Johnson is going to to close the government down by refusing to fund it. Now, that'll be in January, but that's coming. And so to pull this bill at this time and create a Internet shitstorm when they're going to have a whole nother one happening in January, I just don't see it happening. So we're focused now on those two sections that I just mentioned. And let me let me get to those and you, I, I can describe them to you and, and it'll be easier to understand perhaps why they're at, at, at issue. OK, now moving forward to Section 9006, uh, which is another important section which people have misunderstood. And this section is called the grounds for postponement of public disclosure of unidentified anomalous phenomena records. Now, you can imagine anybody that is aware of the history of the truth embargo and is aware of what the, how the government has handled this, that statement triggers them. In other words, they're, they're immediately assuming, oh, this is the section that makes it possible for them to keep the truth embargo going on for more years. No, that's not what this is about, right? What this section is about is the obvious matter that while they are going to start bringing information forward, they are going to start declassifying records, they're going to create the whole process that was described in these previous sections. That doesn't mean that everything and anything that is down there in the classified world can simply be revealed tomorrow. There are things that can be re can be brought forward right away, and there are things that can't be brought forward right away. And it depends upon what they are and their relationship to national security. And there's a thousand uh, components to that. And so in the it's, it's some of these records will be postponed, meaning they're not going to be able to come out now. They'll be postponed for later. And it's extremely important to note that in this section, right. um, uh, they, 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 they make these statements, okay, that in the event of postponement, uh, at least in terms of the appropriate congressional, uh, appropriate offices, those offices will receive a description, a summary that does not violate classification or national security of what it is they're postponing. They also discuss the fact that any postponed uh, material will have will be periodically reviewed. So all they're saying is, folks, look, there's a huge amount of information that, that is going to have to eventually come public. We're not just going to suddenly open up the doors to the facilities and and uh, and file filings and, and tell people to just come on in and, and, and look through it. Uh, we're not going to drag boxes of information out on the White House lawn and invite people and journalists to come. Look. No. This is going to be orderly. It's going to it's going to service national security, but it is it is literally part of a disclosure process that is going to eventually bring it all to the American people, hopefully expeditiously. Uh, 
decades? No. Years? Possibly. But very likely, it's going to happen a lot faster than, than they probably uh, estimate. So that's that section. Okay. And now comes section 9007. And this is the one that is certainly got the attention of people in Congress because this is huge. What is the name of this section? The Establishment and Powers of the Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena Records Review Board. And let me just read a little here. Establishment. There is, under the law, established as an independent agency, a board to be known as the Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena Records Review Board. In general, the president, by and with the advice and consent of the Senate, shall appoint, without regard to political affiliation, nine citizens of the United States to serve as members of the review board to ensure and facilitate the reviewed transmission to the archivist and the public disclosure of government records relating to unidentified anomalous phenomena. And so what this section does is insert the White House into the process described in the previous sections so that among other entities also discussed in this bill, the, the White House, the executive branch, also has oversight of the process. Now, this is the first time that the White House has been formally brought into the UAP issue, period. There was an effort by Jimmy Carter in 1977 to engage the issue by putting up a study. It was simply uh, contained to the White House. Congress is not involved, and the effort was squelched very quickly, and a report was eventually issued, but it was n n nothing like this, and I, I don't, and it's not even consequential. There was an effort during the Clinton administration to engage this issue. All right. Uh, this was the Rockefeller Initiative. It was funded by Lawrence Rockefeller. And there was an effort over three years to engage the issue out of the Office of Science and Technology Policy in the, in, in the executive branch. Uh, and it, it failed. Uh, no legislation was involved. Uh, and so essentially it was behind the scenes in a way. It was it was very almost no one knew about it until a little bit later. And so, no, this doesn't count. This is the first time the White House has been formally brought into this. And that is a huge line to step over. And so uh, a lot of people are concerned about that because this is one of those real bridges of no return. You, once you bring the White House in this under law, you're all, there is no going back. There is no way that they're going to be able to say, let's just put this all on a back burner for a while. So it goes into considerable detail, all right, um, uh, uh, about this process. And one of those details is very important. One of the items in this section is consideration of recommendations. The president shall make nominations to the review board after considering persons recommended by the following. In other words, these are the entities that are going to be recommending people to this very important review board. And who are they? The majority leader of the Senate, the minority leader of the Senate, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, the minority leader of the House, the Secretary of Defense, the National Academy of, the, the National Academy of Sciences, meaning the whole entity, 
the establishment, the established nonprofit research organizations relating to unidentified anomalous phenomena, the American Historical Association, and such other persons and organizations as the president considers appropriate. Now, this is important because what it's doing is it's connecting all of these significant entities to the process itself. It's bringing them into uh, uh, the legislation, formally connecting them to it. And that just com completely expands the, the engagement and, and, and shows the public that this is, this is going to be a transparent uh, multi-party, uh, multi-entity uh, process, uh, not just some stuff being conducted in the back room. So this section goes on and on, and it is very, very important. Uh, and so that is, um, uh, oh, and here's another section that's also important. Again, I, I could spend hours on this bill. Security clearances. What, what, why is that important? This is, again, into the section regarding the review board. In general, all review board nominees, and that, that's in other words, anybody that's even a nominee, right, and obviously any eventual members of the review board, shall be granted the necessary security clearances and accesses, including any and all relevant presidential, departmental, and agency special access programs, in an accelerated manner, subject to the standard procedures for granting such clearances. In other words, we're, we're going to be taking nominees immediately after this bill is passed, start the process, and we, and we want the process of vetting them to be accelerated. Qualifications for nominees. All nominees for appointment to the review board under subsection B shall qualify for the necessary security clearances and accesses prior to be considered for confirmation by the committee. What is this saying? It is saying that those that are nominated and those that are going to be on this review board have all of the necessary clearance and special access clearance to everything in the United States government relating to UAPs, human, non-human technology bodies, and all records. In other words, there's no, the, that's the end, if, if there is any, and there is, of any completely off the board, off the books, nobody knows what's going on, classified programs that, are, that have no oversight. In other words, these people are going to have access to everything. And if you want to deny it, fine, be prepared to possibly go to prison. So that's that section, and it's long, and it is complicated, but it is major. And that is one of the sections that's causing grief for certain individuals in Congress. But let me tell you, that's going to be a much tougher section to pull out, because for them to pull that section out is basically to, how can I say it you know, respectfully, um, tell the White House, uh, you don't belong here. You don't belong in this. But we don't think you should be involved at this point. And so go away, right? We're, we're keeping you out of this. The White House is probably not going to be happy about that. All right? All right. Now, in this same section, there is a reference to witness immunity. And that's important. The witness immunity and witness protections have been brought up in the previous legislation, but this one, it talks about it as well. And that's important because it's now referring to the review board. And what I mean by that is that the review board will be hearing from witnesses and so forth. And so they, they clearly want to 
direct uh, 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 direct attention to that. Here's that section. Witness immunity. The review board shall be considered to be an agency of the United States for purposes of subsection 601 of the title of the United States Code. Witnesses, close observers, and whistleblowers, and by the way, there's a big difference between witnesses and whistleblowers. Close observers means people that have firsthand uh, awareness of and have observed something going on, but uh, but have not necessarily come forward as witnesses or whistleblowers, but are ultimately engaged. Witnesses, close observers, and whistleblowers providing information directly to the review board shall also be afforded the protections provided to such persons specified under Section 673B of the James M. Imhoff National Defense Authorization Act, fiscal year 2023. That's last year's NDA bill. So they're just reaffirming that the witnesses have protection, as stated in the previous bill, with respect to coming forward to the the newly created review board. Okay. Let's go on to the next section, section 9008. Well, actually, this section is unidentified anomalous phenomena records review board personnel. This section gets into the personnel in the review board and so forth and requirements. And so it's it's supportive of the previous section. It's also very long, again, showing that this this thing is a very serious part of this bill. Okay, now, then the next section, 9009, is review of records by the Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena Records Review Board. In other words, it gets into how it's going to review them, what are the aspects of that, and so forth, goes into complete detail, and it brings up a very important part of the bill, which is referred to as the Controlled Disclosure Campaign Plan. Now, those that are aware of the truth embargo and the government's uh, Uh, refusal to acknowledge this issue for 76 years, did not want to see uh, anything in the bill called the Controlled Disclosure Campaign Plan. And so they immediately jumped on it in social media. Oh, is this is the part of the bill that gives them the out so that ultimately they just control everything and we don't get anything right now uh, and they're safe. Uh, Not the case. Not at all. Uh, What this is... is trying to specify in more detail the process by which this is going to be done in a responsible and orderly way in terms of what comes forward and when it comes forward and so forth. Now, let me, let me uh, because this is very important, let me just read a little more. With respect to unidentified anomalous phenomena records, particular information in unidentified anomalous phenomena records and note this very carefully. Recovered technologies of unknown origin and biological evidence for non-human intelligence, the public disclosure of which is postponed pursuant to Section 906. In other words, referring to any records, documents, and even the presence or the fact that we have non-human intelligence and non, non-human biologics Referring to that, wrote, any of which is postponed, which is, again, obviously what they're meaning by controlled disclosure, okay, or for which only substitutions or summaries have been disclosed, that was mentioned in the earlier part of the bill, uh, to the public. In other words, 
they, they couldn't reveal it, but they could, uh, under the under the act, provide a, a, a summaries which do not violate security, but give a sense of what's going on. The review board shall create and transmit to the president, the archivist, the committee of homeland security, and the governmental affairs of the Senate, and the committee on oversight and accountability of the House of Representatives, a controlled disclosure campaign plan with classified appendix. In other words, if they hold anything back, they have to provide to a a whole range of oversight entities a plan of how they intend to eventually bring it forward. Okay? And it goes to great detail about that. In other words, we, we, we can't bring that out now, but here is the plan by which we eventually will be able to bring it out. That's what the control plan is. This is non-trivial. It's very lengthy. It goes into great detail. All right. And now comes um, Section 910, 9010. Okay. Disclosure of recovered technologies of unknown origin and biological evidence of non-human intelligence. Now, first of all, folks, (laughs) the very fact that this bill refers to recovered technologies of non-human origin and biological evidence of non-human intelligence. It doesn't say disclosure of possible recovered technologies. It's basically confirming we have them, which confirms Grush. And so essentially the bill literally confirms the extraterrestrial presence. Why do they not say extraterrestrial presence? Because that's a little ahead of the process. The purpose of this bill is not disclosure. The purpose of the bill is to prepare for disclosure. And so it's impossible to not acknowledge the, 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 the issues that it's addressing. And so they do address it. And while they could be even more, how would you say, uh, careful, the fact is, since they know disclosure is coming at them like a freight train, they, they're, they're being pretty cool about it. They're referring to it. And so the bill basically in its own way confirms the presence of extraterrestrials. That's what I believe it is. You want to call it non-human intelligence? Great. I assure you these craft are not being built by porpoises or elephants who also have intelligence. They are very intelligent. All right. But they are not. And they are non-human. But they're, they're, they're not building anti-gravitic saucers. And so it goes, and now it starts right away. Exercise, and this is right away, section A, exercise of eminent domain. And this is the one that it may get removed from the bill. The federal government shall exercise eminent domain over any and all recovered technologies of unknown origin and biological evidence of non-human intelligence that may be controlled by private persons or entities in the interest of the public good. And by entities, they are referring to every government contractor, defense contractor that has been assigned any work and and had access to or has in their possession any non-human tech is part of study and re-engineering. That's what they're referring to, which the researchers in this field have known about for decades. It's in in our, in the world of the uh, UAP researchers and activists, this is not news, but for a lot of people, it is news, all right? And again, the fact that it is now mentioned in formal legislation is just one more reason for people to understand. The game is almost over, all right? So this is an issue because 
these entities, these these uh, government contractors that have spent years working on non-human tech and have undoubtedly done re-engineering, have made have learned a lot of things and <clears throat> have in their possession the opportunity to possibly make huge sums of money for their shareholders uh, in, uh, in, 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 in a time post-disclosure when this technology could be put out, okay? I get it. But let me be clear where my position is on this. These defense contractors were paid handsomely to do this work. They have paid, been paid billions of dollars to work on our nuclear on our nuclear submarines. They were paid huge sums of money to work on our nuclear submarines, our our fighter jets, our nuclear weapons and so forth. They have made a fortune, okay? I assure you, none of them are going to claim that they own any of the nuclear submarines. Uh, and it's very possible uh, are not uh, be a- able to use advanced technology uh, that they develop for our new nuclear submarines and go out and make a fortune from it. I, I kind of doubt that. Uh, the issue of what government contractors can do with what they've learned in, in, in building uh, and advancing our weapon systems has never really been in play. Uh, and it's not an issue that comes up. Most people just assume they're going to do whatever they do and they're going to do what the government allows them to do. So now the, the ET issue has essentially brought this to, to, to the world's attention because by and large, the world is not that worked up over whether or not the government, uh, defense contractors are able to cash in on things that they learned or develop while working on our weapon systems. But when you're talking about non-human technology, from other species, right, that the government has denied existed. And the, and the government contractors, of course, have refused to acknowledge and also lied about. Cashing in on that is another matter. And so Schumer made a, made a decision to put this out there, to put them on notice that my position, at least, meaning Senator Schumer, and I'm sure he's not the only one that holds this position, is that that's the, the U.S. government's technology, and we will decide what can be done with it in the civilian sector once that technology has been fully confirmed, whether or not it's been disclosed, but it's certainly confirmed that you have it. Now, let me add this. If, that, if this is pulled out of the bill, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, upset at all for a couple of reasons. One. The government can pass a, 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 do, an, an, a domain bill on this anytime they want. And so this bill could pass. We could get disclosure in January or February. And then the next month they pass a, an eminent domain thing and, it, and, and, and the matter is settled. It doesn't have to be in this bill. One of the reasons it may be in this bill, and I'm, 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 this is conjecture on my part, is that if the, the president were to disclose the extraterrestrial presence formally, uh, in a statement, uh, or in a in a press conference at the White House on Monday, it wouldn't shock me if uh, a bunch of defense contractors are, who already have patent applications ready to go start shoving them through the patent offices the next day, right? And the whole thing is now underway, and then let the lawsuits begin. 
So by putting them on notice, even if this section is pulled from the bill, they may hesitate to do that. They may they and look. Let's let's see what th- what's, where this is going to go. That doesn't mean they won't. But he's put them on notice. But if the bill passes, then well, that's m- stronger. Meaning, you know, you know, w- w- thank you for these patent applications. But in case you don't know, uh, under the law, uh, it's eminent domain. And then the second reason why I'm not so concerned is this: just because the government declares eminent domain doesn't mean that the government can choose to work with or provide to with certain government contractors and other technology companies uh, access to uh, this tech uh, and agree to joint ventures or anything else, wherein these companies could in fact make a great deal of money. But because the government is representing the public interest, that's what it's supposed to do, such arrangements are going to serve the public interest as opposed to just being some massive cash grab by some company, right? Sort of like Nestle trying to buy up all the damn water rights so they can sell us water, all right, uh, and, or, and, and enrich themselves. Uh, that's getting pushback, thank God, but not enough. But that's an example of, of again, excessive capitalism. And so th- th- they, they, uh, they're, they're, they're trying to address that. And so either way, I think... Uh, I imagine this will work out. And so that's why I'm not too concerned about that. Now, uh, the final section, which is 9010, is disclosure of recovered technologies of unknown origin and biological evidence of non-human technology. It's going into detail, right, about that and what it is. Section 911 is disclosure of other materials and additional study. And it goes into, uh, 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 expands what the, how they're going to deal with other stuff. 9913 is the termination of effective division. Again, that's not so much. And let's see if there's anything more important. No, that's it. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, Section 1101 is modification of reporting requirement for all domain anomaly resolution office. Okay. Uh, And it gets in it and it gets into um, some changes in language and so forth. Nothing really big there. Then it gets into an area that's interesting, okay? It gets into limitations, all right, on on this this process. And let me just see if this is as important as I think it is. No amount authorized to, oh, this we're getting into funding and so forth. No amount authorized to be appropriated by this act may be obligated or expended directly or indirectly in part or in whole for on, in relation to, or in support of activities involving unidentified anomalous phenomena protected under any form of special access or restricted access limitations that have not been formally, officially, explicitly, and specifically described, explained, and justified to the appropriate committee of Congress, congressional leadership, and director, and the director, meaning of Arrow, including for any activities relating to the following. And it goes into all of this stuff. And so, what that section does, and it's the very last section of the bill, is make it clear that there will be oversight of every aspect of this. That there's not going to be any rogue actions. There's not going to be any uh, uh, decisions internally that, well, this committee doesn't need to know that. In other words, the whole need to know, you don't have a right to know stuff is resolved. The appropriate entities in our Congress have a right to know 
under the law. And obviously they have a need to know under the law, right? That is what that is codified. And so to sum up here, look, this is the ultimate bill that every activist in this issue has wanted since day one. This is what they could have done in the early days, uh, in, in, the, in the weeks and months following Groswell in 1947 uh, and eight. They could have done something along these lines and set it all up and it would have been fantastic and history would have rewarded them. It would have been the right thing to do. They chose not to. In 53, they had another chance to do this after that huge flyover of Washington, D.C. And I think they considered it, uh, meaning we can't stop these entities. They can fly anytime they want. We've got to tell the people. Otherwise, we're going to look like idiots. They made the other decision and spent the next 60 years looking like idiots. They could have done it then. It could have happened after the Cold War ended in 91. And I'm not blaming them. To be frank, the wrong president won the election. Nothing like this was going to happen under the Clinton administration. It could have happened if George H.W. Bush had won. And, and Rockefeller made it clear he was going to approach him if he had won the presidency with the same request. Let's get the files out. But under the Clinton administration, no chance. And so that was 93 to 96. And so now we're 27 years later under President Biden, as it happened. And is the reason this is happening now because he's the right president? Not really. President Biden, I think, has had very little impact on this process. It is happening uh, on its own. It began before he was president and continued as he was president. The White House has stayed out of it. Uh, so is, would Biden be a better president for this than, than Trump? Uh, I, I'm not going to say that. But Biden happens to be the person, the president, who gets the last chair when the music stops. And so he will be the disclosure president uh, for whatever that means. Uh, but ultimately, it, it's not a partisan matter. The Democrats want to make hay from that. They will. Uh, but overall, I think it will be viewed as nonpartisan. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of people within the Congress and elsewhere that will make it clear. This is not the Biden disclosure. This is not the Democrat disclosure. This is the um, uh, United States uh, disclosure of the ET presence to the world. And it will be followed, I assure you, by the heads of state of other nations within days. Right. And, and, and more the more uh, powerful the nation, the, the quicker they will respond, whether it's China, Russia, the UK, France, Canada, doesn't matter. These nations will immediately follow. They're not going to sit out on this. They're going to get into it right away. Okay, there you go. I, I appreciate your patience. That's my full summary of the bill. I promise short answers uh, to your questions. <laughs> Steve, only you could do that as well as you do it. So I'll let you get, take a, a breath of air and a, a glass of water if you like. Sure. Now, as a complete layman, as a non-US citizen, however, I'm aware around 60% of the audience for this podcast is US-based. So... The way I understand things in my own own simple way is we've got this amendment, and as you've put it, there is some incredible language within this. That in itself, I'm slightly dumbfounded that it hasn't had more media attention given the use of non-human intelligence, craft, biologics repeatedly throughout it. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised. However, you know, it, it reads pretty incredibly. 
the, the big call-outs for me, like you've mentioned and many others have said, is the eminent domain or and basically permission to recover materials, craft and, and bodies, and also that presidential review board, the, the nine-person panel. Now, those are the two big call-outs. And like you say, you're you're hopeful, you're confident that these go through, but if they don't, you know, it's it's a body blow, but it won't kill things. But I wonder, if those two changes, we're talking about the eminent domain and the nine-person panel, if somehow you've got Representative Mike Rogers and Representative Mike Turner, who apparently are backed by Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and Speaker of the House Mike Johnson, if they do somehow get those removed, is that not the equivalent of me trying to open a pizza shop but selling pizzas without the cheese and the sauce <laughs> and just presenting a base to people that and and how would that affect it let's let's speculate on that uh-huh. well first of all i just sent you another link it's paradigm i hope i spelled it right paradigmresearchgroup.org slash news items ah, i misspelled it it's news items html this is the link to my print media archive which is one of the most important things that I do. And the, and this is, this is part of my website, paradigmresearchgroup.org, uh, where I'm chronicling, linking to uh, relatively professional, appropriate journalistic coverage of this issue. Uh, I'm, tr- I'm curating this from thousands of things that are turning up on the net, but much of it is small sites uh, that are not particularly significant. They're not what I would call professional journalism. Uh, so it's just pretty much curated from them. And so it's, it's very legitimate journalism. There are 15,000 links to articles now. That, that, that's probably a fraction of the total number of professional articles that have been written since 47. I would put that number at 40,000 possibly. doesn't even include all non-English language articles. I can't archive those. Hmm. What you will see when you go to that site is that this year, more articles have been published on this subject than any previous year ever. It's more than doubled last year. And you also discover that this issue is, is, in terms of the legislation, that there has been coverage of this legislative process from the beginning. Most of the articles are written after the bill is passed, right? Because then that's news. And there's tons of articles about each bill, okay? There's not a lot of articles in the process leading up to it other than it might be an article announcing that there's legislation underway. Like an, uh, like when the Senate bill, the Senate version went up, there was an article about that. But most of the coverage is about what it's passed. But there is tons of coverage of these bills, I assure you. A couple hundred articles, easily, maybe more. And when, when this bill passes, there's going to be another 150 articles or something that's going to come out. And I will link all of those at paradigmresearchgroup.org slash newsitems.html. And so I want to respond to that. Now, respond to the rest. Look, let me be clear. You take you take out the eminent domain clause and this bill is 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 effectiveness or implication is maybe reduced 5% if that. Okay? You take out the the presidential review board and yeah, that is that is that that the, the pizza is missing a significant item. There's no question, and there's going to be a lot of people angry about that because if you ordered pineapple on your pizza and there's no pineapple, you're you're gonna you're gonna go, hey, where's the goddamn pineapple, right? <clears throat> so, all I can say is that what will happen in that case is that 
the the bill will will go through re- reconciliation and then the new bill will be then have to be voted on by the house and senate again before it is submitted to the president that that in that period of time it will get out there's no question the public will learn that the uh, presidential review board has been taken out and I assure you, there's going to be a very vigorous response to that. It's going to be along the lines of, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. do not take, go back and do that again. Recon, go into reconciliation again. Do not submit that to the president. Uh, and if I'm the president, I, I, I mean, I, they may even recommend to the president, veto the bill and send it back to the House Senate to, to, to work over some more. In other words, I'm the president. What I would recommend, what I would recommend to the president is, you know, and this is this is this is tricky and dangerous. If you really want to show the faith here, in this particular instance, where and normally they the, the president wants to stay out of this, there's no question the president wants to stay out of this. But in this particular case, when they take out the presidential review board, that is a slap in the face of the of the executive branch, and I think he would have every right. To say I'm not going to pass this, I'm, I'm vetoing this bill unless you put that back in, which doesn't confirm the ET presence. It doesn't get him too tangled up, but it it it, it respects the the uh, the rights of the executive branch of government as opposed to the other branches of government. So wh- whatever it will generate a lot of press, and so if that in fact passes without the review board, does it? slow down or undermine the ability of Mark Warner, Senator Rubio to call the hearing that must take place in front of the Intel committee. I don't think so. All that does is basically undermine or or diminish some of the oversight that would be involved in in bringing all of this information public in a post-disclosure era. But there's still plenty of other oversight in the bill. Believe me, they they identify a number of committees that will have oversight. So the presidential review board is just part of a much larger oversight structure. So, no, I don't think it, it, it hurts the ability for the Intel committee to come forward. And I would hope that Warner would act. So that that's my take on that. No, that's fair. Let me add that anyone who does order pineapple on, pineapple on pizza deserves some form of investigation for a start anyway. But you mentioned before, Stephen, foreign adversaries could at any time choose to come forward and we're always going to mention russia and china aren't we as the the two superpowers alongside the united states i wonder say president biden does come forward and disclose the et presence capital d disclosure as you say does it not potentially start a whole new type of disclosure war as you then get russia and china disclosing portions of what they know and does that necessarily tie in to what the US would disclose? And then you end up with a whole new information war based on China says one thing, the US says one thing, Russia potentially sits out for a while, and then you have conversations back and forward as to what is actually going on and who to believe. Uh, don't take this the wrong way, uh, but I, in this is this is this the nature of. Of, of, of human and human civilization. I, I, the, the word war uh, is a word I try to avoid unless absolutely necessary. So I, I, I didn't like that Johnson called his, his, his social net policies a war on poverty and war on this and war on that. Uh, so no, 
it, it wouldn't be an information war. But what would happen post-disclosure is other nations are going to come forward and jump into this. In other words, they're going to come forward. They're going to confirm that, yes, they, they also agree there's an extraterrestrial presence. And, and, and these, the heads of state of these nations will be asked by their press, when did you know this? And, and, and in many cases, they're going to say, well, France knew about this uh, in 1958, 62, 63, and, or, or Spain knew about it in 1974, Mexico, whatever. And, the, and, and people are going to, well, why didn't you tell us sooner? And the answer is going to be one, national security, and two, the, the United States uh, policy of embargo was in service to their national security. And in case you didn't know, their military power is the principal bulwark between our country, a, 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 Repu- a democratic country, and the, uh, the, uh, the, the dictatorships of the 20th century that have nuclear weapons and could destroy us all. And so we deferred to them. We deferred to the United States as the bulwark power between us and the Soviet nukes and the Chinese nukes and so forth. So that's a good answer. Most people go, okay. Now, if, if, if Xi Jinping joins in and confirms the ET presence and a reporter basically says, Prime Minister Ping, uh, Xi, when, when did China know about this? Oh, we've always known. Well, why didn't you tell us? At which point that reporter is grabbed by a couple of security guys and dragged down the hall and probably never seen again. So they're not going to be worried about any irritation that the Chinese public or the Russian public has about how they handled it. So they're not going to be worried about that. And so they're going to bring out information. Now, let us assume that, I mean, non-human tech is not human tech. And so don't be shocked if another nation happens to come forward and say, we've got some too. That's not a war. That's like, hey, we've got some tech too. They may be competing for the press attention. They may be competing for, for, for historical legacy, but they're not at war. They're just being part of this. It's possible that certain information that is revealed, it, I mean, I mean think, things could get pretty intense pretty quickly. Uh, let's, let's, let's take a, a hypothetical, very hypothetical. Let's say that early in the post-disclosure era, the United States government confirms to someone, a reporter or whatever, that they have been in contact with extraterrestrials. And by that, I mean formal contact, but classified. And the extraterrestrials have said this and said that. Another nation could come forward and say, well, we've been in contact with extraterrestrials. All right. And these extraterrestrials are not saying the same thing that they're saying to the U.S. government. And so now we have a difference of, of opinion. We have a difference of, of interpretation or whatever. Again, not a war, but rather a discovery issue uh, to be sorted out. All right. Uh, so that that is not a concern that I have. Uh, uh, the once we're in the post-disclosure era, that will be the least of our concerns. The principal concern is not disagreements between nations, but ultimately, are any nations, any heads of state, going to try to manipulate this issue to serve a political agenda, particularly with lies and mendacity? In other words, any head of state that comes forward and in and, and the post-disclosure era where the ET presence is confirmed and deliberately lies about aspects of it, 
Not true. In order to, quote, manipulate the public's uh, perception or engagement or to serve that government in some way, this is what, that's the thing we need to be most concerned about. This is a paradigm shift of unprecedented significance. And as a result, uh, and it's going to affect our world in, in uncountable ways, it, it does pose an opportunity, uh, a powerful opportunity to be used for, for, for ill uh, and, and manipulated. And so there is where the activist movement, which I hope will be incentivized and robust and well-funded post-disclosure to, to help point that out, right? In other words, that, that's, that's not true. All right, they're they're telling you something that is not true in order to get this or get that or do that. In other words, fact check, right? In other words, we're going to need a, a lot of fact checking post disclosure. Uh, so that's my concern. The, the other matters are not. I, again, it will unfold as they unfold. So I've got a few listener questions to get through, and I'm trying to just kind of live edit Steve, given given what you yeah. covered. You you answered a lot of my questions. Whatever time. And some yeah. some of the listener ones as well. Um, so. Question from uh, someone who wanted to stay anonymous on the Patreon site. So thanks for your question. Um, They ask, what does Stephen Bassett think about the following contradiction? It's said that disclosure would be a force for global unity. Mm -hmm. However, global powers that allegedly know the truth are still locked in conflict. And if David Grush is to be believed, are in a back engineering arms race for military technical supremacy. Do you think at that point there is more of a unity and openness between those those warring nations or those nations at loggerheads or do you think that that armed race just takes a different spin like you mentioned private contractors suddenly filing patents left right and center going to the highest bidder does that all change in its nature That is all for part one. Part two will be out in the next couple of days. You can listen to this episode already in full, ad-free and with no sponsors for less than the price of a coffee. If you head on over to Patreon or Apple, you can subscribe to the podcast for less than the price of a coffee or take up the two weeks free trial that are available on those platforms. You can head on over to Spotify and search That UFO Podcast Premium and get access to this podcast episode in full no adverts no sponsorships and also with some extra bonus content as well thanks for listening folks it wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer more like a hubcap designed by Charles